0: The nonprofit MBA purpose is to provide new business insights and fresh creative ideas for executive directors and their teams that will help them improve their organization. Here is your host, Stephen Halasnik. Welcome everyone. My name is Stephen Halasnik, and I am co-founder and managing partner of Financing Solutions. Financing Solutions is the leading provider of lines of credit to nonprofits. Our line of credit program is easy, inexpensive, and costs nothing until used, making it a great cash backup plan for your nonprofit. If you'd like to learn more about the program, please visit us at nonprofitmbapodcast.com. And if you decide to apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file that you can use if you use your line of credit. Or feel free to give us a call at 862 207 118. Just remember the time to set up your line of credit is today, not when you actually uh, use, uh, need your line of credit. And again, if I, I, if I, I'm not sure if I missed it, but the website is nonprofitnbapodcast.com. If you want to get some information and then we'll be happy to provide you with a free quote, no obligation, you can see what your nonprofit is actually qualified for. Today, I am extremely excited to be speaking with Lee Walkner from Counterintuity uh, uh, with more than 25 years of organizational consulting, both independently and with Counterintuity for nonprofits and government agency. Lee is highly regarded as a strategic leader, marketer, and facilitator to be able to help people grow and change. He holds a B.E.B.A. in literature and language from Stockton University, and a master's in professional writing from the University of Southern California, where he taught graduating, uh, graduate writing for ten years. A frequent guest speaker, he is recognized by the state of California as a California thinker. Lee, welcome to today's nonprofit MBA podcast.
1: Thanks for having me here, Steve. It's a pleasure.
0: So uh, today's topic, which I think is is very, very applicable, because I don't think nonprofits think about branding as much as a business does. And, you know, I I often think that there's, you know, I do two podcasts. I do the nonprofit MBA podcast. and I also do the entrepreneur MBA podcast, which is geared towards small businesses. And I I think, and I'm sure that executive directors and board members know this, that, you know, lessons that, that are used in business can be applied to nonprofits most of the time, and today's topic, how brand positioning helps nonprofits gain recognition and support, you know I, I think that's overlooked often when it comes to nonprofits. What do you think
1: Well, I think that um has it been overlooked? Uh, in some in some cases, sure. In others, no. Um, mm. I think you know right away what some of the large nonprofits are about. Um, and, and and let me start by saying, I, I've done a lot of nonprofit service. I've sat on a lot of nonprofit boards. I'm currently on three. I've managed um, and led a few nonprofits. And you, in all cases, you have to know what your identity is. And as a human being, you have to know what your identity is. I remember when my eldest brother had his first child, he, he said, uh, gee, now I have to start thinking like I'm Lisa's dad, right? And, and so his identity changed and things change constantly and identity changes. And if you if you're unable to communicate to people very quickly who you are and what you do as a nonprofit organization, you're asking them essentially to invest the time to figure it out and in 2021, they're not investing the time so much. We are wired for immediate takeaways, and you'd better be presenting immediate takeaways for people to make sense of.
0: Yeah. I. At what point I, uh, do you think, like at what revenue point do you think a nonprofit, and I know you're going to say, well, we're from the very beginning, but at what <laughs> revenue point do you think a nonprofit should start thinking about their, what their brand means.
1: Well, look, I, I don't want to complexify it, right? And, and and you're right. I I am going to say at the starting point, but that doesn't mm-hmm. mean they shouldn't re-examine it later. Um, usually, what happens when you're founding a nonprofit is is you and some other people get together and you say, "Let's, you know, I'm I'm upset about this, or I'm excited about this, and why don't we work on this together? And here's what we're going to do." And so sometimes they start rather informally like that. And then um, five, six, eight, 10 years go by and you look back and you go, hmm, now we're doing nine different things and I'm not sure what unifies them and I don't know how to talk about them anymore. And, and when you find yourself in that situation where you're unable to tell someone in an elevator in 30 seconds or less who you are and what you do and why they should care and get involved, then you've got a, a branding and positioning challenge which is also, of course, a branding and, and positioning opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to re-solidify your identity so people understand and the right people are drawn to you and to help you with that mission. You know, yeah, I, I agree I like with I you. I mean, I think... Question, Steve. Let, let me take another swing at this because I'm reading, I'm reading your face and it's like, hmm, uh, I think if you get lost and can't quite say what you're doing anymore... And or if you have real opportunities for expansion and growth, that's an excellent time to take another self-evaluation.
0: Yeah, no, I was on track with you. I, I thought what you said was, um, was what I was thinking too, which was, and, and this goes to my next point. I was thinking about my next question. That's why my face might have been that way. But um, the, the, um, I think that there's branding for marketing. Right. Mm -hmm. But there's also branding, uh, you know, working on your brand so that you know what your organization stands for, what it does, the type of people that that fit well into your culture. What is your culture? You know, it from a from a strategic standpoint, I think branding helps you in much many more other ways than just a let's this is you know what the public knows about us would you, would you kind of agree with that
1: well sure branding works both ways so um you know you mentioned culture at counterintuitity our culture is really important to us and so we've put our six core values on our website we talk about them all the time when a prospect comes to us we'll ask ourselves, um, do they fit within our culture? Do they respect those values, et cetera? Are we a good fit because there are other agencies, of course, they could turn to. Um, and so ideally branding works externally, communicating who you are and what you do. And it works internally where everybody understands they're in the same boat rowing in the same direction to get to the same place.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I mean, I, I did this one project with, um, there's a gentleman by the name of Robert Bloom I don't know if it, if it, if that rings a bell to you at all he uh he started uh publicis so mm-hmm. publicis became um the largest advertising agency in the uh, in the world mm-hmm. and uh he had written a book called The Inside Advantage and 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 me and my team had taken that book and we we loved it and we started to implement it and the inside advantage had to do with the idea of what we're talking about which was you know identifying what your brand me- means and that the real critical such as the title of the book the real advantage of the working on that project is that You'll get an inside advantage inside your organization because your culture will be defined, your principles will be defined, your mission will be defined, and it'll help you to stay focused. And and I'm going to be honest with you, in 25 years, that was the best work project I had ever worked with with my team. And the results that came out of that was uh, really really just was critical to the the organization that that i that I had was building at the time, and so you know um you know it changed my attitude because when I was younger, I thought you know branding's for those coca colas of the world or for mm-hmm. those uh united ways of the world you know that's that's what they're for, but for your small organization, it's not as critical, and this kind of changed my thought process whereas I was like, "Wow, this really kind of fits into the whole puzzle of everything." Now, when you've worked with your clients, have have as the nonprofits, have you seen that you 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 know there have there been times when you've gone in and not any work has really been done in regards to um, branding?
1: So, the uh, short answer is. Yes. Well, when you say no work, they've had discussions, right? And and you can't run any sort of an organization of any size, any scope, um, any scale without having discussions about who you are, what you do, because people say, oh, what do you do? And you tell them. Um, but inevitably, what happens is when, when you get a little lost, when, you're, when you as an organization are wandering around out in the field and trying to find your path, you you have that feeling. You know what's going on, and then you come to someone like me, and and so we've done lots of those sorts of um, engagements. And currently, uh, we're closing in on two more that we're going to be doing, and both of them are organizations that have been around ten years or longer, and they have huge opportunities, um, but they've gotten a little diffuse in their in their positioning and in what they do. Um, I uh, we have some foundation clients. I've worked with another foundation that um, it's clear to me that when there's a problem in the community, people come to that foundation immediately because they know that foundation is a connecting organization and is very responsive. Um, And at the same time, has a big knowledge base and a long legacy. So people believe that organization will be around for a long time. So um, they already have a brand identity. And in our work, what we usually find out is, in fact, almost universally find out, It's not a matter of developing a new identity and placing it on top of the organization. It's that the organization already has a brand identity that people believe in their core, that they're not externally expressing, that they haven't solidified, that they haven't um, documented because they haven't done the investigatory work. And that work actually um, is work that uh, frequently people don't want to do, right? Because, oh no, what, you know, how long are these meetings and what are we going to be doing, doing and everything? And, and so we have a process that makes it fun and upbeat and enjoyable and everybody participates and you can see the consensus emerge. And again, it's not because we are externally placing anything new there. It's because we're cleaning a, away the debris so that people can see what was actually there all along. Um and, and that process enables everyone to see their own work and their own participation and to get joy from it.
0: Yeah, you know, we actually um and, and it brings up a good point, we we actually bought Bob on board to to help us with that project. And I, I tell you, it was the smartest decision I had ever made because, you know, instead of us fumbling around trying to, you know, you know, we read the book instead of us fumbling around, you know, he, he made a a, a meeting that might've gone on for, you know, weeks and days uh, into an hour (laughs) because he got right to the, he he helped us get right to the point, you know, and it, it was great work. It really was. And so I, I'm a big proponent of Lee of someone bringing you on board to help them because your, your methodology, I'm sure, just helps people stay focused and, and really produce the best work. Uh, I, I would imagine your clients, feel that way too.
1: Well, that's the value of expertise, right? So let's say that I, uh, I had a problem and I go see a doctor, right? I, what I, what I don't want to do is take my list of possible solutions and discuss them with him. I I'm not a doctor and and this is why people should stay off the internet and look up their own cures. Um, you, you go to a trusted doctor because the trusted doctor might say, uh, I'll pick something terrible. Gee, you have diphtheria and you go, gee, I hadn't thought of diphtheria. Uh, uh, you know, can't it just be, um, I have an upset stomach, right? So it, it, it's a bad idea for you to, to step into the expert's shoes. You are an expert in your own organization, but what you don't have is an external perspective that's informed by, um, a practice of working in that area. And, and so the example I use with people is, um, I come to my house every day, right? I like my house. I like my family and I like my dogs, Uh, you know, I like the whole thing. Right. But I'm so used to it. I don't see it new and fresh. Whereas if, if you come to my house, Steve, to you, it's a new experience and you can see things that I've grown accustomed to and take them in as though they're brand new and make a judgment. That's one of the things that an external marketing expert brings you when they uh, work with you on your branding and positioning.
0: So let's say a client, um, and I I don't want to, I would never, and you you wouldn't have time to steal all your thunder. um, (laughs) But let's say a client calls you and says, let's say they say, "I, I heard you on this podcast it's uh, mm-hmm. the non profit n b a podcast um and I'm thinking of doing some work in the area of 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 uh clarifying our purpose our, our, our mission our brand, and hopefully that we get more clarity in our brand is uh, the first thing is is that the way people typically might express that idea sometimes usually
1: it's um we have this opportunity and we don't know how to get there. Or we oh. have this problem that half of us think one thing and half of us think, think the other. Or um, fundraising's not going so well, or people don't know what we're doing. And and so it's generally not theoretical. It's generally we have a problem or an opportunity and here's what it is. And uh, interestingly, you know, I've been watching since the 90s um, the growing, um, partnership between nonprofit and government, right? So government has recognized that directly funding nonprofits can help the government achieve some things that the nonprofits are better equipped to handle than the government itself. Right. And so one of the calls we'll get is, um, we've been asked by the county, city, state, federal, whatever, to do X, Y, and Z, um, and, and we need some help figuring out how that might work and, and how we're going to blend that in with, um, with our branding and positioning and how it'll look. So, we did a project as an example for the LA River. And, and I, I was thrilled to be part of the LA River project. I mean, we're, we're environmentalists, we should all be environmentalists. Um, and so, the things needed, the materials needed to look different. Um, and they needed to look immediately accessible so that people could understand the positive impact that all of these projects up and down the LA River would mean for their communities. And so, so in that case, you have to get at the core identity and the core benefit of the project so that you can communicate it to the people whose lives will be directly affected so that they want it, they know what's coming and they know how to participate in it. So it's not always just the organization, sometimes it's the actual project and how are you going to identify that project for people so they understand right away
0: i would think don't you think it's kind of rare that a client calls into you and says you're having trouble doing this or having trouble raising funds and blah 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 and you look under the coverage, and you find that their branding is great. That they 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 know their mission. That they know they they know their values. I'm actually taking a contrary view in that mm-hmm. you know that you have all this stuff in place, and yet you're not achieving your goals. It's actually I would think that's almost impossible. Not <laughs> it's not the right word. Unusual. Well, I.
1: I can give you a a somewhat different take on that. So Mm -hmm. we did some consulting work for Planned Parenthood years ago. I was a speaker at the National Planned Parenthood Conference. Um, And generally, I'm down with their mission, right? Their mission is helping people with family planning, doing cancer screenings for men and for women, et cetera. Um, and, uh, And leadership was very interested in propounding a political point of view. And that's a, that is a decision I think that they and the board have made. And, um, and I, so I learned a lot about Planned Parenthood, which I still support. And I, and I came back and I started having meeting with, uh, people far more conservative than the Planned Parenthood donor base. And I would ask them what percentage of what Planned Parenthood does is abortion. And they would say, oh, 50%. Um, and I would say it's under 1%. Mm -hmm. And they would go, oh, and then I would Mm -hmm. say, um, did you know they do uh, testicular cancer screenings? Oh, no, I didn't know that. Did you know that they help people uh, people who don't have the money so much or the understanding? Did you, did you know if they help them with family planning and they hand out condoms? And when I went down the list, these uh, rather conservative people said, oh, well, then I would support them. Um, and and so there was a little bit of a mismatch there. And, and I viewed the identity of that organization a little differently than its leadership did. And the leadership um, was committed to uh, a very politicized point of view, which is their decision, right? Uh, and, um, and and I went up working for satellite offices, a number of them around the country, who were just interested in getting better known on the ground in their community and, and were not in lockstep with the national brand identity. And currently we're in discussion with another organization that is uh, in a way part of a national nonprofit franchise system. And they're saying uh, the franchise is behind us. And uh, and I mean, behind us as in decades behind us, and they don't understand what we're doing. And so we're considering a new brand identity and breaking off from them because we have better opportunities to serve our local community. And so those sorts of things happen. And, and you know, in, in 20, 2021, I tell my kids this all the time, right? We'll, we'll walk around and we'll talk about things and we'll look at neighborhoods and I'll say how it used to be in the 1970s when I was a kid. So to them, it's like the dark ages, right? Did you have the bubonic plague in the 1970s? I I mean, that's how far removed the 1970s seem. Um, And then you look at some nonprofits and, and they didn't seem to get the message that it's not the 1970s anymore. That, um, that your brand has to stay up to date, your positioning has to stay relevant, and all of your graphics and your tagline had better be graspable within four seconds. Otherwise, people left. They didn't know who you were. You have to get them like that. Um, it's People don't invest the time anymore because that little hit of dopamine from the iPhone tells them move on to the next thing right away.
0: So you you know so I didn't uh, by the way I didn't know that 1% of planned parenthood went to abortion and that so um but I so l- going back to the example again was it I was unclear was it because the leadership felt that it was better for the organization for people not to know that uh, for for whatever reason or did did they do a poor job in execution of what their um uh their their mission statement their values their where, where everything where the money goes it seemed at
1: the time that they had made a determination that fighting the abortion battle which i am with them on right the pro-choice battle was the primary um marketing mission, as opposed to broadening the appeal. And, and what I'm saying is, um, their services have widespread relevance. And I think that we would, almost all of us would support them. Um, But they had made a determination that they were going to going to um, pursue that particular issue. And one one is free to disagree with that determination. I also felt, and you know, this was some years ago. I, I also felt that they they were still relying on the ladies who lunched to write them big checks um, at, at a time when. And I said to them, I said, you know, Vice President Biden texted me and asked for three dollars, and and I thought, who would I be if I didn't send the Vice President three dollars for this campaign? And I. I clicked, it was beautiful, right? From my iPhone and I sent $3. And and I made a case for micro donations can equal macro donations and also get your get you wider levels of support. Um and and I guess at the time they weren't ready to hear that. And I don't know if they're ready at this point or have adapted, because again, this was about 10 years ago. And so but it was part of our discussions. Um, and what was interesting was when I gave my big speech, the affiliates were more interested in it, I think, than, um, than leadership. You know, I, I want to talk yeah, about, I, these... um, I think, I... sorry, I, I just want to say these ahead, micro Lee. donations I'm very interested in years ago when I was running my theater company, um, I, I wrote a a ten dollar letter, and so this was nineteen ninety nine. Running my theater, my nonprofit theater company, and I wrote a funny letter. You know, send us the ten dollars. You know, don't order the, don't order the bad pizza. Put off the haircut. How many times has ten dollars fallen out of your pocket? Send us ten dollars because when we we put your ten dollars and his ten dollars and her ten dollars we put them all together, and here's what we can do with it and uh, pay our artists better, improve the show, et cetera, et cetera, and the money flooded in from the $10 letter because all we asked for was $10 in this pre-clickable e-commerce world. And we also got, two days in a row, $1,000 checks because we had grabbed somebody's attention. So when you make it possible for more people to participate, because we also said we would list everyone, and one person sent us $4, that's all she had, $4, and we listed her in the program, didn't say the donation amount, right? And, and so we got widespread adoption um, the beauty of, of the internet is now you can take that idea and and grow it uh, dramatically because you can reach all sorts of people um, and I you know Steve I am a playwright as well I don't know if I mentioned that and I just had a world premiere on zoom and I had people across the country on my play at the same time and across England and across Europe all on my play at the same time because we'd purposely pick different, um, dates and times where other people around the world could participate. And while that wasn't nonprofit itself, it gives you an idea of what's capable now. And the only thing restraining nonprofits in a way is their effort in, uh, in deciding what they want to do and then going after it.
0: Yeah, I, um, you know, it seems that there's been two trends uh, and I don't, I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's kind of uh, we're just getting off the branding idea. But the, you know, micro donations, you know, that that's been big for uh, for a while now. I mean, th- let's face it, it kind of came into play more with the Obama administration when he when he was running and he was the first to kind of see that you could raise quite a bit of money through micro donations. Donations, and then but the second thing on a lot of my podcasts um, that that I've been doing has been uh, reoccurring donations. So mm-hmm. instead of asking for hypothetically hundred dollars, you sign people up for ten dollars a month, and it's proven that over fifty, you get over fifty percent more money over a longer period of time, and probably um, although I don't know the statistics on this. Um, your, your, I, I I'll call it a close ratio, but your ability to get people to donate as much higher because you're asking them for $10 and not a hundred dollars. And so, you know, th- those are the trends I agree with you with the trends with micro donations. And then this other part about reoccurring uh, uh, the, the donations um, you know, the the brand going back to the the, the whole idea of branding, um, tell me maybe you could point to a, a, an example of a client you worked with, which was a little bit all over the place with branding. They really weren't in it anywhere, and they really did a great job of executing uh, what you were telling them to do. And how did that change the organization even more so than what they would have expected?
1: so one of the organizations we're we're really happy to work with is coalition for responsible Community development and this is a nonprofit that started um, I think ten years ago as a as a graffiti abatement program so they had a little city contract to go around and clean up uh, graffiti in a troubled neighborhood and now what it is is it's a job training program uh, they provide housing they provide um, uh, education. They help uh, people get their GED, get off the street, get employed, and etc. And we've been working with them for several years. And uh, we started out by doing just their annual report. And so I, you know, an annual report is important for a nonprofit because um, it's where your funders are going to see if you succeeded or not. And 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 so the idea of just dropping the data in and having some. Uh, colorful graphics just didn't seem like enough, particularly given how important this program is and what it does to really change people's lives and welcome them into the economy. And so we started to say, well, well, you know, what's the purpose of this and what are people actually going to read? And so how can we theme this? And, and so recently it was their anniversary and, um, uh, and so the theme we came up with was I play video games and and you know a lot of the target audience for um, who are in the programs play video games and uh, and I, we came up with um, achievement unlocked you know you play a video game and you get to a new stage and the achievement is unlocked you got a trophy and such and we thought that if we just positioned it that way that Anybody glancing at the annual report who is a funder or potential funder would, could just look at all of those little trophies throughout like a video game and go achievement unlocked, achievement unlocked, achievement unlocked, high score, right? And so this is a nonprofit that works. Um, a previous client, we worked with Pasadena Symphony and Pops for years. And the, uh, the Symphony marketing materials were just terrible. Um, and, and, uh, and, and so the, the, the pops takes place outdoors, um, in in a, in a great big, uh, arboretum and they had pictures of peacocks, which are beside the point. And then when they had pictures of the symphony, whether it was indoors for the classical outdoor for the pops, you would see a far away photo of all these little people in tuxedos and gowns sawing away at instruments. And it in no way communicated what the offering was. And so we started to talk and said, why, why do people come here? What does it do for them? What's the meaning behind this? What's the takeaway? And, and, and let's help them understand. Let's not make them feel stupid or, um, or that they're removed from this. And so we did photos of the artists up close. We tried to make it look hot and sexy. Like LA can be difficult at times. You're crawling around in traffic. You've had a stressful day. You're stuck in your car. Um, you're balancing bills and kids and whatever. And you just want to go enjoy yourself. And changing that branding and changing that messaging, we started to sell out the concerts. We absolutely sold out the Arboretum, 5,000 tickets. And when we started to sell out the classical concerts um, inside the, that hall, um, then we knew we had made a big change with that client. And, and so when you change not just the story, but also you, you ask yourself, what's the impact on the consumer then what's happened is you've built a greater attachment they're more attached to your nonprofit they're certainly going to support you more so and to your point they'll be there month after month after month
0: now were there were there people internally that were actively involved in that project yeah so the
1: the then um, CEO, uh, who I'm still friends with. I've done numerous projects with him since then at the places he's moved to. Um, he was getting our materials and he one day called me up and he said, can I just bring in a bunch of our collateral for you to take a look at? You know, can we just have a discussion? So he brought his stuff in and I hadn't seen it. And I said, um, this stuff looks like, uh, things on a table at a flea market um and he said what do you mean i said well you know you go to a you go to a flea market you go to a yard sale there's a bunch of stuff on a table it doesn't really go together they just use the yeah. table to put that stuff up there that's what you've got going on here i don't understand any of this and they had this big picture of marvin hamlish right now i'm of an age i grew up seeing marvin hamlish on tv all the time and i said i said i wonder how many people who get this don't know who that is or why it matters and so I asked people, who is this? Who is this? Who is this? Nobody knew who it was, right? And let's identify him. Let's talk about why he's important and that um, you're kind of lucky to to come here and to see Marvin um, And And again, let's communicate to them that when you come here, It's like an oral spa, right? You're in this environment, this beautiful environment, and you're hearing these people play this beautiful music for you and all of your stresses went away and you dressed up for it and you feel different. That's the experience of this. It's not about um, people in tuxedos and gowns. It's not about peacocks. It's not about all of that other stuff. That stuff is beyond, um, beyond the point. Let's pull the camera in. And let's communicate in very few words what it feels like when you're there. And that was how we helped sell it out.
0: Did we, I'm curious when he when you made that reference to the flea market and the idea, and when you explained this material looks all different, I did he get did what did what was he like, you're you're right?
1: Well, he was over at my house Saturday night. I had him over for dinner. Um so <laughs> so we're still on really close terms. Um you know, he was, he was at a point that, um, he, he knew things that had to, had to change and he had taken over the organization relatively recently and they'd been checking things off that they needed to do. Um, and, uh, and look, anybody can do better, right? And everybody can do better. I'm always interested in doing better. And the really good leaders are always interested in doing better. Um, it, the people who get defensive, um, don't quite understand the leadership role yet. So it, it's it's better to look at the opportunity and ask yourself, what if I just listen for a minute and think about this? Because we, as I said, we all have opportunities and we can all do better.
0: Yeah, my question was more geared toward, I, 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 I kind of got the impression that he he had a hunch that the the messages oh, yeah. in his pieces were, you know, uh, over over the place. And so that's well, why he I, kind of brought it to you. Yeah. I think
1: I, well, that's right, Steve. That's why he brought it in and said, can you look at this? But I don't think he knew why. Right. So yeah,
0: no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah.
1: yeah. When my dad came to visit years ago, my dad was a builder. I come from a family of entrepreneurs on the East coast in New Jersey, actually where you're from. And uh, my dad walked me around the block and looked at how the cement was poured and pointed out how neatly the sidewalks were poured and, and that the man had stamped his company name at the base of the hill and it said J.D. Maumer. I, I still remember that from 30 years ago. I, I'm not somebody who ever poured cement. I didn't know how to look at it, uh, but my dad did. My dad had an expertise in building and construction. I have an expertise in nonprofit branding and marketing. And so I can come and look at this. And, and when you have a degree in literature, as I have, Really, what you have is a degree in meaning in critical studies. And that's what we bring to this. We look at things um, to analyze what's really already there and what what is probably lying underneath that isn't coming out.
0: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. A lot of the podcaster guests I have come on um, have a a writing background. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, you know, they were, they did writing in, in college and I don't know, maybe it's because, you know, nonprofits are always applying for grants and stuff like that. (laughs) that They kind of, you know, that the guests get involved in it, that on that end, and then they kind of, you know, migrate into their specialty, you know, which is, which is, you know, being a consultant and, and specializing in a certain vertical of, of that. So it's, it's interesting to See so
1: when um, when you're working sorry, with words, you're working with meaning, right? You know, and you and know. marketing is about meaning, taking that meaning and communicating it to others. So I, I can see how they're linked.
0: Well, good stuff. I very good podcast today. Uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Um, I would like to thank so very much Lee Walkner from uh, Counterintuity for coming on today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. If you like today's podcast, please give us a review on your podcasting app to help us get the word out. The nonprofit NBA podcast has gotten very popular. We get thousands of downloads. It's, it's been great. I love doing it. Uh it, but of course if you're looking for a line of credit for your nonprofit I would certainly encourage you to to get one set up even if you don't think you'll use it. You can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at nonprofitmba.podcast.com. Lee, if anyone wants to get in touch with you, how would they go about doing that?
1: Well, there's certainly the Counterintuity website at counterintuity.com. Uh, and then there's counterintuity on LinkedIn and I'm of course on LinkedIn and I love to hear from people. So please reach out and say, hi, I'd love to hear what your nonprofit is up to. And what's your website address again? Uh, uh, counterintuity.com. Uh,
0: great. Okay. Everybody. Um, you know, I, I've been saying this for the last couple of years. Um, you know, you guys are all out there doing all the hard work. You're making the world a better place. I want to personally thank you for doing that. I'm sure Lee feels the exact same way. Uh, We all have to do our own part, but you guys are doing more than your lion's share. And I think listening to these podcasts is a good way to really get better at making a difference in the world. I know it's definitely helped me. So everybody have a fantastic day. Get outside, enjoy the roses. You deserve it.